0: Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. And as uh, you're opening your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12, you know, we're returning back to the systematic teaching. And as we return, we're, we're going to be here in this, in this portion of Scripture that, that really talks about cold and and hardened hearts versus a heart of mercy. And I truly believe that this is what God desires in us. This is what He desires in us here at Calvary Chapel La Puente and in the hearts of His people. And I do believe that the Lord is going to pierce our hearts and to move our hearts today as to where they should be. And today's message is, is about the heart of God and God and the heart of God is a heart of mercy. And we should have hearts that beat alongside the Lord. And, and so I want to give you the, the title of today's message. And the title is The Heart of Mercy. And before I read the Scriptures, let me just define mercy to all of you. And I define it so that we can have a greater sense as we read it, so that we can understand it. See, mercy is compassion and forgiveness towards others. That is what mercy is. Compassion and forgiveness towards others, both physically and spiritually. Okay? And when we look at the religious people that we're going to see today, they forgot about mercy. And I believe that many times we as a people also forget about mercy. We forget to extend mercy and and these religious people, as we're going to read, uh, they go around doing all these religious activities. But one thing that they neglect to do is to show love, is to show forgiveness, is to show compassion, is to show grace towards others. And I want to give you just a personal testimony here. And I think this will begin to to prepare your hearts for for the message that the Lord has. And that is that I volunteered at many years ago at a food bank, at a local food bank. And this place, of course, did the right thing, right? It it gave food to the poor and the needy. And, and this is a very good thing. This is a very righteous thing. But when you saw the people, when you saw the people that lined up for food, they needed more than food. See, the people that lined up for food needed the gospel. And so what I did is, I asked the director there, I asked the one that was in charge, I said, You give them food, but who feeds them spiritually? You know, I shared with them that these people need more than just food. They need prayer. They need counsel. They need the Word of God. And they need Jesus in their lives. They need somebody to reach out to them. And you know what the response was? We don't have time. We don't have time for that. See, giving out food, I want you to understand, is a good thing, especially to the poor. But when you neglect their spiritual needs, it has turned it now into a religious hobby with no mercy. See, it is a, it is totally a, a holy hobby with no compassion for people. There is no real love behind the people, right? Because all you want to do is just feed them. But remember what the Lord says. It's, it's not that we eat. We, we, we live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, we can easily get caught up in these holy hobbies, in these religious hobbies, and lack mercy. And this is what God wants to talk to us today about. And so with that, let's read from verse 1 all the way through verse 14. And let the Spirit of God just move in you. Let the Spirit of God speak to you as to where your heart is versus the heart of God. As we begin here in verse 1, it says, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and His disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat? nor for those who were with Him, but only for the priest. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Then he said, What man is there among you who has one sheep, and if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not lay hold of it and lift it out? Of how much more value then is man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and it was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and plotted against Him how they might destroy Him. You know, as we read this, right, we see here, just, you know, what the lack of mercy, you know, when it comes to these hearts that are cold and and any of us can easily come into this place that we see the Pharisees in. You know, we read here how the Sabbath, the law of observing the Sabbath had ripped off or rip out any mercy from the hearts of the Pharisees. See, the key to all of this is verse 1. This is what what, what we're talking about here, because in verse 1 it says that the disciples were hungry. And because they were hungry, they began to pick grain and to eat it. And the Jews, they were upset at that. They said, you know what, how dare He? How dare they, you know, pluck on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath is a day of rest. The Sabbath is a day when there's supposed to be no labor. There's supposed to be no cooking. There's supposed to be no work whatsoever. And what we have here are the disciples that are working, right? They're, they're taking the, the heads of grain and, and they're plucking them and, and this is considered work. See, I want to have you understand this better because we need to examine the Sabbath and we're going to do it quickly because this isn't really the theme of the message, but you must understand where the hearts of the Pharisees were. See, Sabbath comes from the word sabbaton. And it basically means to cease, to rest. That's what the Sabbath means, to cease and to rest. And where there is a double beta, meaning BB, a double B, what that does to the word, it intensifies the word, And it intensifies its meaning, which means that there is to be a complete cessation or rest. It means you are to stop doing things. It is a day that you are to stop what you have been doing in other days. Okay? Just like God on the week of creation, right? What did He do on the seventh day? He rested. And so what did He do? He ordained the Sabbath to be a day of rest for Israel. It was to be a day to worship and to honor Him, right? A day just to bask, just to, just to be there in the glory of God and just to, to rest in Him. Remember what He said in Exodus chapter 20, beginning in verse 8, He said, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor know your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your, your gates. And so here we have the holy commandment of God for Israel. See, this was for Israel. This is not for the church. Because look at what Paul writes to the New Testament church in the letter to the Colossians, to the church in Colossae. Here in verse 2, I mean, in chapter 2, verse 16, it says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival, or a new moon, or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. The substance is of Christ. See, for us as a church, our day of worship and rest is when? It's on Sunday, right? This is the first day of the week in the Jewish calendar. See the New Testament church met on the first day of the week according to Acts chapter 20 verse 7 and 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 1. Why did they change it from Saturday to Sunday which was the first day of the week? Because it was resurrection day. See this was the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And that's why we meet today, right? Because it's resurrection day. Today is a day that Jesus rose from the day, from the dead. But back to the day of Sabbath. I want you to understand that the Jews took this day to an extreme. They made the day of Sabbath an actual burden. A day where they could not work, where they could not cook, where where they could not do any type of labor. I want you to know this. Even today, Orthodox Jews, in our modern world, they still practice this thing. On the Sabbath, they cannot write, and many... Other religions do that, right? They do not do business transactions. You know what? They don't drive or ride in cars. They don't shop. They don't use a telephone. They don't turn off anything which uses electricity, including lights, radios, television, computers, air conditioners, alarm clocks. Did you know that they don't cook or bake or kindle a fire? They don't mold the grass. They don't tend to their lawns. They don't even do laundry. So you're asking yourself, and you're thinking, okay, if they don't do this on the Sabbath, on Saturday, so when do they do it? I want you to know this. They all do it the night before. For those of you that like the fresh-cooked meal, if you were uh, an Orthodox Jew, or if you were these Pharisees, these religious people, that you know when you would cook the food, it would be the night before. And so, you know what? You would eat it cold, for those that need electricity today, right? I mean, what would you do, for example, if if today was the Sabbath, did you know that for these, they they could not turn on electricity on the day of the Sabbath? You know when they turn on their electricity? The day before. Imagine if it's a scorching hot day and they didn't expect all this hot weather to come and they have air conditioning, did you know that they would have to sweat out the, the heat because they could not turn on the air conditioner on that day? See, they took it to an extreme. And what ended up happening is that the Sabbath ended up dictating the activities for people. And what happened here is that the disciples actually broke the rules and it made the Jews, the Jews mad. And so Jesus, as He speaks here, He gives three arguments as to why the law can be broken. And the first one he talks about is King David there that he mentions, right? He mentions it in verse 3. He gives this illustration of when King David and his men were running from Saul. And they actually went to Kimelech, the priest, when they were hungry. And Kimelech the priest, only had showbread. And this showbread could not be eaten by the common man or by the king or anyone else unless you were a priest. Only the priest could eat the showbread. But yet David ate the showbread. Why? Because he was hungry. And then the second illustration he gave is that, look at the priest. It says that the priest, in verse 5, they profane the Sabbath. And yet they are blameless. What does he mean by this? Is that the priests are actually working on the Sabbath, right? Because what were they doing? They were preparing the sacrifices. And then Jesus gives a third illustration. Jesus says that He was greater than the temple. Boy, and this ignited the Jews. Because see, for the Jews, right? It was the place where God dwelled. And so they were extremely mad, thinking that, you know what, who is this man, Jesus, claiming to be greater than than the temple of God where God dwells? And then Jesus goes on to say that He was greater than the temple, right? I'm sorry, that He goes on to say that He was the Lord of the Sabbath. So these guys are raging mad, right? And thinking, who does Jesus think He is? And even though Jesus had already displayed His divine nature right through miracles, their hearts were closed to it and they were filled with anger and with hatred. See, what Jesus is trying to explain to them is that mercy trumps the law. Very important for us to understand. He is saying, you know what? They were hungry. It's important for us to understand that. That if they're hungry, then guess what? They need to eat. See, Jesus reveals there. He says in verse 7 that, you know what? That God desires mercy. He says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. See, and He takes His from Hosea chapter 6 verse 6, which was a message that he gave to Hosea to give to the people. And then what he does after this from verse 9 through verse 14, is he begins to illustrate his point. He goes into the synagogue, and there he sees a man with a disability. This man actually has a withered hand. And they ask Jesus, is it lawful? Again, They view the law as the epitome over man, right? They're saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And so what Jesus does is He reveals their hearts. He begins to tell them, you know what? You guys, if you saw your animal that was injured or hurt on the Sabbath, would you not go out and help them? But a fellow human being, you have issues. Isn't your fellow man greater than these animals? And so what he begins to do is he actually brings a man forward. It doesn't show this here in, in Matthew, but in Luke chapter 6 verse 8, it says that Jesus commanded the man to come next to him in front of everyone. And immediately he heals him. Boy, this got the Jews angry. The Pharisees, they were upset because He actually had, He had the gall to do what? To heal on the Sabbath. And they were furious. And so immediately it says, after this, they plotted against Him. They wanted to destroy Jesus. See, Jesus was teaching them, you know what, you have a man here and the law says, yes, don't do any work, but you know what? I desire mercy over sacrifice. Mercy is the key. When we look at this, mercy is the theme of today's study. And so based on this, I, I'm going to dedicate the remainder of our time speaking on mercy. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three points today on mercy. I'm going to give you three points. I'm going I'm to just give them to you right now and then I'm going to expand on them. The first one is extend mercy. Okay? I'm going to talk about extending mercy. The second one, the second point I'm going to talk about is the example of mercy. And then the third point that I'm going to talk about is the blessings of mercy. So let's focus now on extending mercy. As Christians, understand this. As Christians, we are called to extend mercy. And I'm going to show this to you from the Scriptures. I want to prove this to you, that you have been called to extend mercy. It's not something that... Pastor Tony says it's not something that other leaders or other pastors says. It's actually God Himself speaking to us and telling us that we are calling us to extend mercy. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. In other words, don't let it abandon you. Do not let mercy and truth abandon you, forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. So what Jesus is saying here is basically wanting us to walk in mercy. And remember, what is mercy? Mercy is compassion and forgiveness towards others. Okay? I want to give you a biblical example because I gave you the example, remember, of the food bank with myself. I want to give you now a biblical example. It's an illustration that Jesus actually gave. And it's from Luke chapter 10 verse 30 and we're going to read there up to verse 35. And many of you have heard this story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. But I want it, I want you to remember mercy. Mercy, mercy, mercy. Beginning in verse 30, it says, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And he fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing. They wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, imagine a, a Levite from the tribe of Levi, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Remember, this is mercy. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repair you. I will repay you. So what you have here is, you have the perfect example of mercy, right? These thieves, they, they beat up a Jew and they leave him half dead. And then you have a priest, one that is to serve the people, and a Levite from the tribe of Levi. They see the man on the floor and he's a fellow Jew. They see him there and they keep going. But yet, a Samaritan. Imagine this, a Samaritan, the man, a man who was hated by the Jews, He has compassion. In other words, he has mercy. And what does he do? He bandages up the guy and gives him a place to stay and he pays for it all. How many here would agree that this is totally an act of mercy? I think we all agree that this is an act of mercy, especially from someone that was an enemy. I want you to meditate on what I'm going to say now. I want you to really think about what I'm going to give you. How many people do they go to church? Okay. How many people read the Bible? How many people pray on a daily basis? How many people are walking as Christian? And when they hear that someone is injured or someone is going through a hard time, they don't even pay. They don't even have the time to pay a visit or to text them. Think about that. See, As a church, examine your hearts right now. When you hear somebody is injured or somebody is going through a hard time, how many of you just keep going on, doing your normal thing and forget to make a call? Or forget to text or forget to give them an encouraging word? See, I want you to understand that the church is lacking in mercy. We are so selfish and consumed with our own lives that we have lost our compassion for others. Have we become like the priests? Have we become like the Levite? Have we lost or have we ever had the heart of the Samaritan? See, I know people, and believe me, God is speaking to me here. When they hear that, people are stricken with illness, with a grave disease. They don't even go visit them. They call them their friends and they don't even make a car or go to the hospital. And the least or the Easiest thing to do. They don't even send a text with our technology today. And I'm describing here leaders and pastors and mature Christians in the Lord that have no time for anyone else but themselves. We become like the priests and the Levites that look the other way, forgetting to give words of encouragement or lift a helping hand. Look at what Jesus says in Luke chapter 10 at the beginning of the te- or at the end of the teaching in Luke 10:37 he says he who showed mercy on him then jesus said to him go and do likewise see the lord is asking us to do the same thing see are we lacking a heart of mercy are we so consumed with our selfish needs and our selfish wants and our busy schedules that we have lost the heart of mercy where are we as a church At Calvary Chapel La Puente. What are we doing to meet the needs of people? We may say, okay, you know what? We have a compassionate ministry, right? Well, we have a group of people that have been moved by compassion to visit the elderly and the terminally ill. Is that enough? We have an evangelism ministry, right? That goes out and gives the good news, right? That goes out and gives the gospel. But is that enough? Believe me, this is not enough. See, ministries start with compassion. And why isn't there more ministries starting within this ministry itself? Are we lacking compassion? Are we so busy that we become like the priests and the Levites? There is a body here, I want you to know that, a body in this city, a body in this church and the Lord is asking many of us to do things. We are to pray and we are to, to allow these things to get started within us. See, La Puente needs a lot of compassion. We have a dying city, I want you to know this. And every single one of us has been asked to write mercy on the tablets of our hearts. See, I pray as the Lord is piercing hearts here today, including my heart, to have a greater heart of mercy. A heart to extend compassion to the physically and the spiritually bankrupt. I'm going to give you now a second illustration or the second point. We have an example of mercy. Who is the example of mercy? It's Jesus Himself, right? It's God Himself. I want you to understand that the God, that, that the Bible is filled with the mercies of God. When you look at it, from the beginning to the end, it just reeks, it just screams out mercy. I'm going to give you some scriptures. Psalm 118 verse 29 says this, "Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Psalm 103 verse 8, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Lamentations 3.22 Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed, because He has compassion because His compassions fail not. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says, But God who is rich in mercy. See, I want you to understand one thing about the God that we serve. He is a God that is merciful. Actually, one of His attributes, which is His very character, is mercy. It is who He is. He is merciful. And He cannot deny Himself, as we have been reading. And there are numerous examples Of this, you can just, why don't you do this? For those of you that have a Bible search, put in mercy. And you're going to see hundreds of scriptures that come out regarding mercy. See, when you look at mercy, or God's mercy, it is both a physical and a spiritual mercy. There's two types of mercies that He extends. He extends a physical, and He extends a spiritual. I'm going to speak first on the physical. And this is really the example of the Good Samaritan, right? When God heals, He extends a physical mercy. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 26, where He's speaking of Epaphroditus, a follow laborer with Paul. He says, Since he was longing for you all, and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick, for indeed he was sick, and almost unto death. But God had mercy on Him. And not only on Him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. So you see here, right, a physical mercy that has, that God extends. But I shared with you that there is also a spiritual mercy that God extends. And I want you to understand this spiritual mercy that He extends comes in the forgiveness of our sins. See, you and I, Instead of receiving condemnation, instead of us being thrown into the pit of hell, He forgives us of our sins. I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read to you after verse, beginning in verse 4, but continue to verse 7. It says this, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. But God who is rich in mercy. As you can see this, mercy is extended to us even though we don't deserve it. How many of us are lacking in mercy? When we think about this, right? Right? when we think about somebody offending us, see, we offended God there. I want you to know that. We were dead in our trespasses. Remember, this is what He's talking about. We were going after the world. We were going after our flesh. We were following the, the temptation from Satan. And then He goes on to say, but God who is rich in mercy, even though we offended God, even though we sinned against God, even though we harmed God, He still extended mercy. What about us when somebody harms us? When somebody offends us? Are we extending mercy? Are we forgiving? Are we holding a grudge against those who offended us? See, you and I, right, when we come to a place of knowing that we've sinned against God, we are on our knees and doing what? Asking God to forgive us. We're begging Him to forgive us. And because He is merciful, He is willing to do that. What's so amazing about God is that He is so good to do this. This is His very heart to extend mercy to us. But yet, we lack in giving mercy to others. I want to give you an illustration from God's Word. And Peter asked Jesus, right? Peter thinking, you know what? I am so good. I am, you know what? I'm becoming more like you, Jesus. And he asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive somebody? You know what? Should I forgive them seven times? Thinking that, you know what? That was enough. And look at how Jesus responds to him in Matthew 18, beginning in verse 22. Jesus said, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. In other words, there's no number to it. You just keep forgiving. Therefore, the kingdom of of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle counts, with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay his master, commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be made. And so what does the servant do? He falls down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will repay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, with mercy, with mercy, and released him and forgave him of, forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii, who owed him pennies compared to the thousands. And so this servant laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, just like he was begging his master, saying, have patience with me. Have mercy on me and I will repay you all. But yet this servant would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had mercy, compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. See, the illustration here is that you and I come to God Asking God to forgive us. And in His mercy, He does so. But yet, those who offend you, we are not willing to forgive. See, you and I can easily become like the wicked servant. And this is a dangerous place to be. And I must warn you of this. Because when you don't forgive others, you place yourself in a danger, just like this wicked servant did. Because remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see how serious this is? Just because you call yourself a Christian, you can easily be walking like this wicked servant. You and I must come into a place of understanding this truth and understand this about forgiveness. It doesn't mean that you've got to trust Him. What it's asking you to do, though, is to forgive them. See, forgiveness must be exercised. Sometimes you can't hang out with them, right? Because of the lack of trust. But that doesn't excuse you from forgiving them. You and I must forgive. It's no option. In Colossians, he talks about this. It's not an option. It's actually a commandment. And when you do this, I'm moving to my third point. And this is the blessings with mercy. How many of you have heard, and I taught this at one time, and be honest with me, how many of you have heard of the mercy cycle? Anybody? Anybody recall my teaching? Okay, one of you. You get an A, Paul. (laughs) You know why he gets an A? Because he heads the compassionate ministry. Remember that. Matthew chapter 5 verse says this, Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. You know what blessed means? Blessed means happy. Happy are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. See, when you extend mercy to others, what God is saying, it comes right back to you. That's the cycle that He's talking about. See, God is giving us some amazing insight on mercy. He is saying that if you practice mercy, guess what? He will be extending it to you. How many want the physical mercies of God? How many of us want healing when we get sick? How many of us want the spiritual mercies of God? How many of us want the forgiveness of God? God is asking you to give it to others. And then He's going to give it right back to you. See, God needs to show us these things. Otherwise, we don't understand them and this is why we have the Gospel. But I also want to make sure to check your hearts here. See, many of us are gonna think now, well, you know what, if I extend mercy to Him, then God's gonna give it back to me, right? You're gonna be thinking, okay, you know what, I'm gonna be nice to Him now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be compassionate and forgiving. See, this isn't what God is saying. See, what He wants you to do, He just wants you to be out of your the abundance of your heart, the heart that has been transformed by His Word. As you heard His Word now, that His Word word would transform that heart and it would move you to have genuine compassion with a pure and an unselfish motive that reaches out to those that are in need. Just like the Good Samaritan. See, and I pray that as you heard this this message today that God is leading you to start now ministries, right? To start with a heart of compassion. See, La Puente needs compassion. And you have all been placed here not just to sit in the chairs. See, you have not been called to sit in these chairs just to come to church, just to pray, just to read Your Word, to do these holy hobbies, these religious hobbies. But He wants you to walk in mercy. See when you look at the saints of old who started ministries as they were moved with compassion. This is what brought the gospel to China from James Hudson Taylor. What about the gospel to India from Amy Carmichael? What about the gospel in England to the orphans with George Mueller? See, this is a compassion that God moves. Moves in you. He moves in me. See, when we've tasted mercy, when you've tasted mercy, you have no problem extending mercy. But do you really taste it? Do you understand it? Do you understand what God has given you? The mercy that He's poured over you. You know what started this ministry in La Puente? I've shared it with many of you many times. It was for compassion for this city. It was a compassion that I had for La Puente. It was a compassion that I, that I saw. That year and a half that I spent there on that, at that food bank. It was for the people of La Puente. This is what brought me here. So, what do we do? God wants your heart, mercy. He wants ministries to be birthed from this church. He wants to send people out of this church into other places, into other areas. To talk to people, to, to go after the orphans, to go after the, 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 the prostitutes, to go after the drug addicts, to go after these people, but it's not gonna happen if we don't have the heart of compassion. Pray. Pray for this heart. Ask God what He's asking you to do. And I'm gonna close with this final scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Let us not be like the Levite. Let us not be like the priest that pass by and see a hurting people and do nothing with it. Let us pray. Lord, I thank You. I thank You for just reminding us, Lord, of mercy. Of the compassion and the forgiveness that You want us to live by. That You want to transform our hearts into. For those of us that have been dead in our trespasses, that are the walking dead because of our sins, and if you want to receive the forgiveness of God, the compassion of God, the mercies of God, I'm going to ask you now to dedicate your life to him, to ask him for forgiveness. And if this is You, with our eyes closed and our heads bowed, raise Your hand and we will pray for You. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. For those of you that raise your hand, just repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I want to live for You and so I surrender my life for you I come to you by faith asking to forgive me Holy Spirit give me the power for the power is in you to overflow Jesus and Heavenly Father thank you for your mercy and your grace for sending your Son to die for me. And I pray this in Jesus' name. I'm also going to ask those that that are lacking in mercy. I'm going to ask you to stand up and we're going to pray for you. That God would move you. That God would do a mighty work in and through you. Lord, you see these people that are standing. Lord, I pray that you move in my heart also. I want greater mercy. I want mercy, Lord, for others. A compassion for others. Lord, as they acknowledge, as they stand, Only you can move in their hearts. Transform their hearts to beat like yours. Mercy that endures. Mercy that pours out. Lord, may you move and transform our hearts to have compassion. And to birth ministries. For your glory and for your honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.